6th, 2019, otherwise known as... Alright, you guys ready? This is gonna be, I think, one of the weirder holidays we've had, and we've had plenty of weird ones, but National Gardening Exercise Day. So that's a day where you get out and exercise with your plants. Have you ever seen the, <laughs> the video of the lady that does like the prancing exercise? There's a guy oh, yeah. at my gym that I think that does that. <laughs> where she's in the like onesie, the like spandex onesie. Yeah, but has like like tel- like local news, like anchorman hair. Yeah, do you remember what that was called though? I have it was not some seen kind this of video. like pun. I think it's like prancer size. Yeah, you nailed it. It is prancer size. <laughs> so wait, Mike, you knew what it was called? You were just testing Ben to see if he knew? He just didn't want to like play it all out there. No, him saying it reminded me. Okay, gotcha. I just knew that it was horse related, like he had said. But apparently, like that video went viral and her like exercise business has totally taken off. I bet. I mean, she ran the full gambit. I'm sure she's been on every show between like Tosh.0 to every, just everything. So gardening exercising day. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Or is it the day where you exercise your right to garden? I guess you can interpret it that way, but it literally says exercise, a day where you get out and exercise with your plants. Hmm. They could use the work. I got some fat ass plants. Yeah. Gardening is a, is a bit of work. Yeah. Get those. It's something that I would like to do at some point in my life, maybe in the next couple of years, have some good raised garden beds to where it's organized nicely and I'm not necessarily crawling around in the dirt, but I'm able to stand on grow your feet and garden the staples. Like a man. Yeah. Just grow a bunch of broccoli for one. Yeah. I know I would like that. And then just kind of all the staples, maybe even expand into some new foods. I might like some more vegetables if I if I grow them myself. They say that is a way to get kids to eat vegetables. Here's what's been frustrating about me with gardening is that the progress the is slow, but the mistakes are sudden, right? Like to wait for something, especially if you're growing it from seeds to actually come to fruition takes forever. And then like one mistake where, hey, you just forget to water it for two weeks or uh, it gets <laughs> really, really hot. Mistake. It's like having a kid. <laughs> a little travel oh, shoot, comes I'm in. supposed to feed him. Uh, Every day? <laughs> so the, the, one, the one gardening, or I've had two gardening successes. One is with kind of artificial setups like the LED grow lights and mm-hmm. automatic irrigation systems with the, the sort of indoor gardens that I've done. Those have worked well, but only for small things like herbs and stuff like that. I grew a lot of basil and cilantro. And then my blueberry bushes on the roof of my Boston house have done fantastic. I planted them once, and then every year I get like a pretty good amount of blueberries. Hmm. So they die in the winter, but they just grow back every year? Yeah, they come back. And it's kind of awesome, too, because I'll just go up there if I have like a conference call. I'll just be like sitting on the conference call, eating blueberries off the bushes, fighting the squirrels (laughs) for them. That should be a new national holiday. Yeah. uh, Conference call with your plants day. I think we could do without a conference call holiday. Yeah. All right. Well, we haven't had one yet, so maybe the world's lacking it. Mm. They're waiting for it. No, thanks. All All right. right. What What are you guys working on? Mike? This week, I am working on a few accessories for the home theater room, trying to round out that space. Mm. I decided before I hop into the micro kitchen, which is a part of that project, uh, I wanted to do some of the the smaller projects in this space, like I said. The first one being a swing open movie frame poster. Okay. So this is something that they have So you can change out the poster, like that type of thing? Exactly. So at real life movie theaters, that's essentially what they have. They've got 
a, a case with a frame. You know, they're fancy and they've got LEDs and they're this whole they're they're this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just kind of simplifying it down, making a good, clean maple frame, but just making it to where exactly what you say. It swings open. You can replace whatever your poster is. It'll just have some simple marks that line everything up, so mm-hmm. it's totally easy. And I built a little bit of an oversized frame. That way I've got some matting showing. A lot of time movie poster frames are, they go all the way to the edge of the poster. And I don't really like that look. I like there being a little bit of a border between the artwork and the frame itself. So I'm trying to just like class it up a little bit. You know, I don't know if we've ever discussed this, but when I was in high school, I was actually a projectionist at a movie theater. And I'm you know sure that I must have at some point changed posters out in those frames but somehow i don't know maybe i blocked that part of the job because i do not remember it at all i do remember actually the one thing i remember about movie posters is that on their back side there's the mirror image of what's on the front side so it's not just white on the back and that's so that when light shines through it it still like maintains its vibrancy oh that's cool yeah because all of those frames are backlit so i guess they've got to have a certain level of transparency that's cool yep Good well, times. I wish you remembered because that was. <laughs> I, I spent the a day trying to. <laughs> if you want to build I a marquee, a day, I can help you out there. Perfect. Yeah, I, I spent a day trying to figure out like where do I put the hinge or what the what the form of it all is going to be, but it ended up coming out relatively simply. I'm just using piano hinges along one of the sides, so it's got plenty of support to where it doesn't try and droop over because of the weight of the frame. Mm-hmm. And you're using wood. Yep, it'll basically be all wood with just frames, or I'm sorry, with just hinges. Gotcha. But nothing too crazy. Uh, I do want to apologize that the attic video came out later than it was supposed to. It's not a bad thing on on behalf of the sponsor of me saying this, but I'm just waiting for sponsor approval, getting everything lined up. I just got a little ahead of myself. I probably put the the cart before the horse or the wagon before the the horse, whatever it's called. Either one. Uh, saying that it was going to be live when it, whenever uh, it, in fact, was not. Mm. But it'll be out as soon as I can get uh, an A-OK from the brand that I'm working with. What are you guys doing? I am, so I'm, I haven't built anything this past week. I don't think it's been, I feel like it's been a while. It was just like an editing week this past week for me. But starting today, I've got a big project coming up. So um, Sean should be here in a couple hours and we're going to start the build. That's why I needed to record so early this morning for the podcast. And I think I'm going to do, I don't want to call it a new and improved, but an updated version of Bad Larry. Um, this was one that I actually had drawn out like while I was building the last one and it's, it was a little bit different than the rest. So I'm really excited to put this one together. I, I don't know why I just call them all bad Larry, but basically any time it has that trapezoidal top, I end up calling it a bad Larry, but you know, so it wouldn't be any more similar than if you built two different cabinets where both of them were a regular box on top. These ones just happen to be trapezoids, but this one is going to be fun. It's, uh, to me, it has like a sort of Japanese aesthetic to it. I never know why that is. I, I, I often say that when I look well, at- you got to appropriate my culture, bro. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Half of it anyway. Uh, yeah, no, but do you, does that make sense to you guys? Like sometimes you just look at something and you give it a, a adjective, but you're not exactly sure why. Yeah, it's it's almost that kind of- relatively low profile look yeah is that what's doing it a it's lot of definitely times? low and long and lower yeah. and longer than other bad larry's have been what's a a japanese name that would be equivalent to larry ben you got anything larry <laughs> <laughs> that would be racist if i just changed that l to an r 
All right. So this project, you're collaborating with Sean Boyd from yeah. Sean Boyd Made This. Correct. And why are you deciding to reinvent the bad Larry when you're working with him? Is there something about like y'all two that you think lends itself to that? Well, okay. So part of it is I wanted to, instead of doing the type of thing where he's coming down and we're both going to try to knock out two quick projects, I said, let's just build one good project. And I think I can send a lot of people your way when they see the video. So I want it to be something that was very like a core type of four eyes project because I think that he'll get the most benefit out of that. A certified banger, if you will. If you will. Something that's got some, uh, it's pre-certified, it's pre-certified yeah, it's pre- <laughs> banger. It's like pre-owned. Yeah. <laughs> it's a certified. <laughs> People knew going in, this one's already got banger potential. Yeah, because you and Sean, you you don't build things that exactly look alike, but both of y'all tend to go yeah. on the angular side of things. I think that there's like a good cross-section of my audience that will very much like his stuff. Yeah. And so I want this to be a project that appeals to those people so that he can get the biggest boom from it. Nice. So he's going to have to go home and build something really, really fast so that you guys drop a video together. Yeah, I told him, just make sure that you already got something ready to go. So I think he's mm-hmm. got stuff already in the can. And awesome. uh, yeah, they, then those can come out at about the same time and hopefully it brings a lot of people his way. That's fun. You've had a real revolving door lately yeah, I know. in I've your been, shop. I've been doing a number of collabs and I've got at least one other one that's kind of tentatively planned up with Michael Alm. We're going to try to do something this summer also. So yeah, that'll be fun. And especially I, I'm really looking forward, like anytime you do a collab, it's always great when you can like learn something new from it. So like, you know, with Mike, it was doing the concrete um, with Johnny. We did the Sosugi Bon and I definitely consider both Sean and Michael to be better than me in terms of just like craftsmanship. So hopefully I'll be able to pick up some stuff from doing these two collabs. Yeah, man. It sounds like a lot of fun. And shout out to Almfab, the channel, Michael Alm's channel. It's great. Shout out. All right, Ben, what do you got going on? I am doing a lot of editing. So I finished the polycarbonate and oak cabinet. Came out great. It actually ended up being a a minimal tools project. Uh, I only used handheld tools with it. I used a circular saw, orbital sander, drill. I always lump like drill and impact driver yeah, as that's just one. one tool. Just because you could use one. I just am lazy and switching bits. Yeah. <laughs> and much. then there's a couple kind of half lap joints and I used a jigsaw to do it, which isn't really the right tool for it because like a jigsaw doesn't cut perfectly straight for that but it was yeah. it was good enough for what i was doing so pretty basic tools the polycarbonate uh worked out well so those uh, experiments have been promising it's really easy to cut straight because it's so light and rigid it doesn't really bend or deflect the way like plywood would ben have you po- you you haven't posted a picture of that on like instagram or anything instagram yet, yes oh yeah, you did okay cool so then on- so then people can look at it and see because i know you've sent it to us so to make it, did you kind of just like build the frame and then just fasten them to the inside? Yes. So okay. it's an exoskeleton, right? Normally okay. when you build something, <laughs> the structure's on the inside and the cladding's on the outside. But I thought the, it's weird. Like here, here come the food analogies. Here we go. I'm not always like the biggest fan of mixing a inorganic material or a sort of a non-natural material like plastic with wood. Hang on, I'm trying to think of the food equivalent. So like... Uh... Oh, so you know what I thought it was? I thought it was like uh, when they put like chili flavor or like a spicy flavor oh, in no. chocolate. 
Oh, I thought. And it's like it's good, but it's also sort sows the chocolate by itself, and it's kind yeah. of it's it's a little it's a little much sometimes. I've had some that are really good, but it's never as good as just chocolate by itself. So that's how I've right. always felt with like adding plastic to wood. But the sort of visual inspiration for this was, or there's sort of two two types of curiosity that kind of met that that led to this project. One, I've always liked sort of Japanese sliding screens, the rice paper ones. Mm-hmm. Where it's the wood frames with the translucent paper glued or stapled to the back. I just think that's like a really nice, clean aesthetic. And the polycarbonate is the sort of rigid, more waterproof, durable version of that, especially when you get the opal. It's sort of the white translucent polycarbonate, not the completely clear. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So that was sort of the 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 visual I was going for. And then the other part I wanted to experiment with was when I saw that how rigid a sh- you know, four foot by eight foot sheet of polycarbonate was relative to its weight, I thought, oh, this would make outstanding cabinet doors because you don't need a frame. The the part I'm I'm most that I like the most about the project is that the doors close perfectly and the doors meet the frame perfectly. Right. Without any sort of like edge support at all. So it really let me do a totally different type of hinge, which is completely integrated into the structure. So there was that taking advantage of the lightweight, but dimensionally stable characteristics of the polycarbonate. Let me get a lot more experimental with how the actual structure of the cabinet works. And I think when you design with new materials, it's nice when you can figure out a way where the materials create an opportunity. You're not just applying them to the same types of things. If something have different strength, weight, and flexibility profiles, you can adapt a, a, a previous design type to fit and take advantage of those characteristics, not just you know switch out the the, the swatches yeah. uh, of different colored materials. Yeah, for sure. I oh, go ahead. I really liked that project. I think it was fun. It almost reminded me of we were talking about you know Japanese with Chris's project. It was almost like futuristic Japanese because everything is still kind of like square, but like the whole frame I think was built out of one by fours, right, or similar material. Yeah, I got one or one by threes, one by threes, one by from, threes. from Home Depot. Yeah, I would say space age Japanese is what we're sort yeah, of going exactly. for. It feels like something out of the Muji store. Uh, if they mm. if they made because they make like kind of traditional looking classic wood furniture that's on the clean and minimal side, and then they make translucent plastic storage containers. I like so, that totally. space age Japanese. That's got to be your new aesthetic for everything. <laughs> yeah, but it was the it's the first polycarbonate project. I got a ton of polycarbonate, so I'm gonna be doing some more. The next ones I think are gonna involve they're gonna be more space age space age where I'm gonna Ooh. 3D print the joints. So I've been. In the background, I've been 3D printing and man, I've been having great results with 3D printing. Like I think like the machines are finally just better or maybe I just got better machines. These these Pulse ones are pretty high end and the nylon stuff is like really strong and it has a cool kind of translucent quality. And I've just been like cranking out 3D printed products and I had a couple errors at the beginning because I was like hadn't printed nylon before and I was trying to get to stick to the, the printing bed. But once I figured out that, oh, you actually have to take a glue stick and rub that on. Yeah. I've been I've been cooking with gas and just like every eight hours I crank out a new part. What do you uh model it in? I did some in fusion and some in form Z. Um so I'm I've been trying to commit to getting better at fusion and I went through a few tutorials and I have been. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty easy. But again, it was sort of 
taking those art deco style things and saying like, ah, oh, here's a style that's easy to model. And art deco stuff is, is very easy for, lends itself for 3D modeling. I think because. I'm going to be getting the same machine that you have in the next couple of weeks here. And so maybe that'll be my uh, official, now you have to learn fusion moment. I've, I've been putting it off for so long. Maybe this will be the one. Yeah, like we could do like a powwow kind of thing too. I'll, I, I would come down for a few days if we did sort of like a modeling and printing kind of session where we kind of reinforce the the learning. I, I think they're actually going to send somebody too from Matter Hackers because they're just, oh, cool. you know, they're not that far from from me. So yeah, I'll try to figure out when they're coming. I'll let you know and then maybe you can come too. We can pick their brains for some stuff. Actually, this is kind of a tangential thing, but something else new that I actually just did yesterday, which... Pro it will not be out by the time people are listening to this, but along with the bed video, I want to get back into doing those. Let's talk about design videos. Awesome. Mm. So I recorded a long format one. I think it's probably going to be something like 35 minutes. So actually I edited it yesterday, but I actually recorded it before I built the bed. So that's my, my thinking was, you know, since I'm going to have to spend the time modeling these things anyways, why not like kind of model or videotape and record my thought process as I'm doing it and then put the video out at the same time for people that might like that sort of longer format thing. So this first one's gonna be kind of an experiment to see if people do like it. The other ones have been things that have been edited down to you know like 10 to 15 minutes. I'm gonna edit out some of the stuff, you know, if I'm sitting there thinking for two minutes, obviously I'm not gonna just show myself sitting there thinking, but if I can kind of talk my way through what I am thinking, I would include it. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes with this first one. It's probably something that I'm just going to put on my second channel and try to have done at the same time that the videos go up so that within the video, I can say like, hey, if you want to see the modeling process of this, there's a link in the description. Go check it out. I don't know. I'll just kind of do it and then let it evolve and, and see how people are responding to it. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's what you said. That last sentence is the key. I'm just going to do it, put it out and then see what I need to change for the next one. Yeah, I think. Putting it on the second channel takes the pressure off and lets you kind of do that. You nailed it exactly, yeah. Because that's the hardest part is finding a format. But the hard part about finding a format is you need a couple of like trials basically to, to, to clean up all the fat, you know, to get it all leaned out. So right. uh, I, I'm, excited. I'm excited that you're doing it because I really enjoy the Let's Talk About Design series. A lot of what I was doing learning SketchUp I was learning a lot of that just watching your videos. Yeah. Once I understood the basics, I decided just to watch a couple of Let's Talk About Designs so I could see your workflow. And that kind of helped me develop a little bit of a cleaner workflow to where I was doing things in order a little bit better and doing the correct operation to get the outcome that I wanted rather than right. kind of one of those like DIY kind of workarounds when I, where you're not exactly doing it the proper way, but the same thing is still getting done. Yes. So... Uh, I think they're really valuable and I'm I'm glad you're doing them. Yeah, I hope that people kind of take it. And I even say in the video, I'm like, you know, this is not a SketchUp tutorial. I'm not going through like, here's how you draw a box and all that kind of stuff. But if you can, you know, watch any number of other videos out there that just explain the controls to you, then I think that you can definitely get something out of this just from a SketchUp point of view. But then beyond that, just kind of, I don't know, watching somebody's thought process as they're coming up with an idea. Obviously, it's not going to be the same for everybody. And, and I wouldn't recommend like just copy my way of doing it. But, you know, people might get some ideas that could help them out. Awesome. 
Now, before we go any further, let's throw it to one of our awesome sponsors, Skillshare. The Modern Maker Podcast is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators with more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more. You'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, or to turn your side hustle into your career. Take classes in social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, or even illustration. So I've used Skillshare to actually take a number of courses in the past, but probably the one that's been most influential to me was video editing for Adobe Premiere Pro for beginners which I took a few years ago, but it's still totally relevant today. They update it so that it's most up to date with you know, the new software as it updates itself. And this was a really big deal for me because obviously it's what I use to produce all of my videos. And these courses are serious. Like this, this one that I took was three hours and 22 minutes long. I don't remember how many chapters, several either way. And it really lays the foundation and can take you from knowing nothing at all to becoming a pretty legit editor just going through that course. And if it was something that you wanted to follow up on to take it even further, they have intermediate courses, advanced courses, things that go into specific like color correction. Basically, you can take it as far as you want to take it. Absolutely. And you were just talking about color correction. I took a course completely on LUTs, which is the color grading that you do at the end of your video. And that's just one of the ways Skillshare does these deep dives into specific topics. So if you're interested in joining the millions of students already learning on Skillshare, make sure and follow the link in the podcast notes that Skillshare.com forward slash modern maker to get two months of Skillshare free. That's right. Skillshare is offering the followers of the Modern Maker podcast two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. So to sign up one more time, that is Skillshare.com slash Modern Maker. Again, Skillshare.com slash Modern Maker. One time, Mike, one more time. (laughs) Uh, Skillshare.com slash Modern Maker. Perfect. Link in the description. So what are we talking about this week, guys? What's our topic? We're talking about experimenting and bringing new materials or techniques, like in Chris's case, 3D printing, into our process and design objectives. So for me, it's been introducing, you know, giant plastic sheets. And before I talk about like the specific challenges of it, I want to talk about the sort of reasons why I'm doing it is the the polycarbonate is sort of whenever I feel like I'm getting static in the stuff I'm making or I feel that like I look at my sketchbook and I look at my all my ideas and I see, oh, those are good, but it's kind of like this other thing I did. Oh, that's also good, but it's a little bit too much like this. I know that I need to introduce a new agitator, like a new material, a new tool, a new type of building, maybe building stuff outdoors instead of indoors. Introduce some type of thing that kind of mixes it all up and stirs it up. And the polycarbonate experiments are sort of serving two different purposes. One is I want to build a workshop out of polycarbonate. So I thought, let me get familiar of just cutting it, seeing how precise I can get it, how to connect it, where it fails, what works good about it. So let me get used to it at the furniture scale, and that'll probably give me some ideas about the building scale. So I can sort of work through some rough drafts at a small level, get really familiar, find different places to buy it. I also know that if I publish polycarbonate videos, I'll probably get a lot of people that have worked with it on different scales reaching out to me, offering tips and advice on on all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that 
in general, I'm interested in doing more plastic projects. So I mentioned before Dave Hackens, who does the Precious Plastic Initiatives. And I kind of want to work with a, before I start recycling plastic into, you know, raw materials that I use for projects, I want to see sort of a perfectly formed industrial application of plastic that's very efficiently manufactured. So polycarbonate, the way they kind of extrude it and make this cellular panel, it's rigid, it's a great insulator, and and it uses very little material and is super lightweight. So I won't be able to probably, you know, fabricate a or recycle a plastic panel to those kind of specs. But just sort of seeing that as a goal kind of gives me some ideas about what, how I would want to make a panel. And I love the precious plastic guys, but one of the things I saw when they were sort of recycling little plastic chips into solid panels, they were making these solid like half inch or three quarter inch thick, heavy material things, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic for craft projects. Like if you want to make a box, but from an actual sustainability standpoint, it's kind of a dead end because it's just so energy intensive and you need so much waste to make something that is basically like a hardwood but would be actually end up being more expensive if you just factor in the amount of time and energy going into fabricating it, even if you got all the plastic bottles for, for free. Hmm. So what I was thinking is like, you know, when I, when I was working with the polycarbonate, I said, oh, I need to f- figure out a three-dimensional panel, which could be more of a building or a ready-made component where it has uneven thicknesses, but the geometry reinforces it. But then you have a good amount of airtight coverage with thinner parts. So it could be like a waffle slab. Uh, it could be just a, like a like a painter's canvas where it has a thick edge but a thin surface. So this was like a form of experimentation that's going to lay the groundwork for projects I do over the next two years. And that was the main reason of trying to sort of break the normal cycle of like I wouldn't want to normally mi- mix plastic with wood. But in this case, I want to do it to figure out things on the – the sort of whole building scale of things, shops and houses, and then on the sort of recycled plastics agenda that's coming down the road for me. Yeah, see, you're, you're a lot more thoughtful than me. I feel like anytime I would have said that, I'd been like, oh, I saw a picture of something with polycarbonate. And I was like, that's cool. I'm going to try using it. And that would be as deep as I got. You know what the part that was making me think about it? As I was listening to a podcast where they're talking about how George R. R. Martin, the guy that wrote the yeah. Game of Thrones books, mm-hmm. it was they were talking about how he's really good at gardening, at creating new characters and making the world bigger and bigger and bigger. But he has a hard time. He's had a hard time closing out all the storylines into a conclusive end, which is why he hasn't finished his series for years. So, so be the, it, my version of it would be like, I thought dragons were cool. Right. Well, and so I wrote these books. <laughs> for me, this is a, a gardening move, is I'm trying to create a whole bunch of possibilities of project types by a little bit of experimentation now. Yeah, you're expanding, you're world building. Exactly. You close it up. Mike, what about you? What are you thinking about? Well, it's funny that you brought that idea up of testing one thing to open up the door to another. And so lately I've been working on a white DIY concrete mix uh, for a few reasons. One, it's just not readily available at most places. A while back, whenever Mike Clifford was in town and we did the DIY GFRC concrete I got exposed to white concrete for the first time. The only problem is that GFRC mix is really expensive and it's kind of a complicated order of operations. It's not just a simple task. And so my thought was, 
I want to build or I want to make a really simple concrete mix that is a classic form pour like what we're used to doing, but isn't an off-white like what you get whenever you use the Quikrete countertop mix. So I did a little bit of research and I found out that concrete is really three ingredients in like a three to one part ratio. So it's three parts sand, two parts gravel, and then one part cement. And you can get white versions of all of those ingredients readily available, but you can't get a white mix readily available. So my thought is I want to do some experiments finding what is the best ratio actually for a good countertop mix and make that a video because I want to expand on that even. Like I want to do just white concrete projects, but I also want to use that white concrete mix to make a DIY terrazzo and some other things along those lines. So yeah, it's, it's interesting how you can do one idea and that it that opens the door to many others. I liked I like that point that you just made a minute ago, Ben. So it's cool. I like how you say terrazzo with a, a sort of Italian, like a twenty percent Italian accent. Terrazzo? Is that <laughs> terrazzo. right? <laughs> terrazzo. <laughs> he <hit> the, <laughs> he terrazzo. Hit the terrazzo. Kind of was like Yeah. <laughs> well it's the thing you can get white concrete like you can get white countertop mix. But the shipping is so expensive. It's about $30 a bag, which I don't think is unreasonable. They just don't it. carry it like at the store? No, not at the store, but okay. you can get it online. Okay, so and, the shipping. you know, $30 a bag doesn't seem crazy. To me, that seems reasonable for a 50-pound bag because you're only going to use a couple. But it's $60 per bag to ship. Right. Mm. So it's like we're only charge you thirty, but we're gonna charge you sixty to get it to you. And the and the and the fee doesn't really get much smaller yeah, if you order to, multiple bags. You have to get like hundreds of bags or something to really Yeah. You you start get, getting discounts when you order it by the pallet, but at the end of the day, if you're buying multiple individual bags, it's still really expensive to ship. So hopefully this experimentation will be a cool solution and a cool format of video. I tried to do that DIY coffee stain. But I think the fact that that video was sponsored totally kind of killed the performance of it, oh. which I understand. Yeah. It was a little heavy of an integration. In hindsight, I probably shouldn't have been as, I don't know, as as big into the ad read as I was. But I just thought that since as it was... brand spon- <laughs> I guess it came off that way a little bit. In hindsight, I, I do see it. But I just was hype about the fact that Trade Coffee was sponsoring an episode about making coffee wood stain it was just such a perfect match right and a project that or and a video i'd been wanting to make for a while that i kind of leaned into it a little bit hard and i think the video kind of performed subpar but that's okay <laughs> and so on this one you know it might be sponsored but maybe someone like squarespace where i just do a quick little ad read but i get back to the i get back to the experiment because i think that could be a fun little format of videos where there's no expectation for a really really good finished project it's more about going through those first level of experiments where you're making the initial mistakes, you're finding what the solution to those are, and then maybe practical applications from there that you can build on. So is that your idea for the video then? Is that it would actually be about kind of finding the mix, like experimenting with different ratios and all that until you come up with something that you like and then can use for projects? Right, that's exactly it. So I've basically done a melamine form, just typical of any other concrete project. But I've I, I've made this concrete form that has six individual one foot by two foot forms inside of it. Gotcha. So I'm gonna basically try and isolate each variable. Like, what happens if I add a little extra sand? What happens if I add a little extra gravel? And I also want to experiment with what happens if I do white Portland cement 
but normal sand, you know, white Portland cement plus white sand. Right. I think I can get away with using normal gravel. I don't think the gravel is going to change the color at all because whenever you pour concrete into a form anyways, the gravel doesn't show from the surface. Only if you grind it. Exactly. And so my thought is the sand, I think, is what's causing the quickrete countertop mix to be an off-white. Yeah. I think they're using a white Portland cement or a white cement and then beige sand. But I think if I use pure white sand, I can get it to a, a really clean pure white yeah the quick creek countertop mix comes out although i've had i've had the white tint base and i've had the white and there's a difference the white tint base is the beige it's sort of it comes out the color of like whiter travertine so it has a nice thing but it has that little bit of that beige sand travertine type color to it i have used the white stuff which i used for like the white Death Star, little Star Wars things I was making. And that's like white, white with occasionally like a little fleck of like of sand that's that's a little bit off color, but it is like as white as any concrete that I've seen. Awesome. Let's step back and take, it's, it's interesting that you meant Terrazzo as like your kind of end game or one of the, the inspiration points is how do I make something like this, which is expensive and energy intensive? How do I make the sort of DIY version of that? Yeah. Now, Terrazzo, from what I understand, is always has that kind of like modeled ground. You see the aggregate. It has exposed aggregate through a grinding process. Is that part of the the aesthetic that you're going for? Or are you also just looking for just like a white finished concrete slab? So I do want a white finished concrete slab, but I want to get this white concrete so that I can then go to the next level, which is Terrazzo. And I haven't done all of the tests to figure this out, but my hunch is if I go to uh, uh, like a countertop or, or a stone supply place, I can go and say, hey, do you guys have some offcuts of, you know, some marble or different different stone? Crush that up into smaller pieces. Mix that in as the aggregate rather than gravel in a concrete form. You know how the bottom of the form is actually the top of the table yeah. once you're done? I basically want to lay some pieces of marble or stone and adhere them so that they're already to the surface to where I I do grind and I do sand a little bit, but the majority of the work will already be done. You won't need to adhere them. The the gravity will hold them down. So that's something that I thought would happen too. And it could happen. It still could. You just got to push them down. (laughs) But I watched a Sorry Girls video where they tried to do DIY Terrazzo and... This isn't a knock on the sorry girls. They're great. But they did it, in my opinion, I would just do it a lot differently. I'm not throwing any shade. I would just do it a lot differently. But they did something similar where they cut or they broke up a bunch of glass, which for anyone out there, glass terrazzo is whack. You want marble terrazzo. That's the one that looks good. Marble or quartz terrazzo. And also marble is softer and will work a lot better. It'll grind a lot more consistent with that. Glass... Mm -hmm. Glass is a terrible idea because it's going to shatter and break. And Yeah, they had a really tough time and basically ended up make, ca- calling it just a fail. You know what I mean? They just kind of made a fail video about like, we tried this, it didn't work. And then they came up with a solution where they basically made terrazzo looking painted tabletops, which, I mean, it's cool. It's crafty. It's fun. They did a good job. Yeah, it's not cool. Uh, I thought you were no going to say knock. crafty AF, but... <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but the big mistake, I think, was the glass because the glass also did float and so they tried to sand it down and it really didn't work quite right long story short the people out there that have done a diy terrazzo attempt 
I think I have a better plan. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. We'll see how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would also look at travertine as an option. As using for basically like the stone right. to use? I think it would grind. It's a little bit more porous. It's it's a type of marble, I think. It's a little bit more porous, so I think it would grind really consistently with the... Because if, you, if it doesn't grind consistently, meaning that you have one type of aggregate that's way harder than the other... Sometimes the machine you're using for grinding catches on the harder material and then chips out a big chunk of it. Yeah. And so I have a feeling that that's going to be the big problem. Right. So I think it's going to be a thing where if I were to just sprinkle in some pieces of of whatever my stone is and then pour the mix on top of it and then try and grind that down, I think that's going to be the exact problem. And so my idea is I actually want to, man, what's the best way of explaining this? So whenever you put in... Uh, a three quarter whenever you put in a plywood core to your concrete forms bin mm-hmm. you know how you do basically you've got your plywood core and then a couple slats over the top of the form yep. that screw both into the form as well as into that piece of plywood i basically want to do slats across the top of the frame in a similar way but instead of using screws to attach a plywood core i want to actually use screws or something else if you guys have a better idea to basically put a cl- or the best way I could describe it is basically like clamp pieces of stone to the bottom of the form. So basically right. put a lot of downward pressure to where there's basically like a, an airtight vacuum seal to where I'm not using adhesive right. to attach the stone to the form because then whatever adhesive adhesive I use is going to create a negative space right. after the form is poured. I basically want to use that downward pressure to make sure that I've got pieces that are already flush to the surface. So I don't have to do a lot of material. Right. I don't have to remove a lot of material. It's more about just smoothing and polishing. So you're almost using concrete as a binding agent for chunks of stone, almost like the the cookies and milk table that you did. Yeah. With the white yeah, resin. It'll, it'll be a lot. It'll be a lot like that. So yeah. it's it's not quite aggregate as much as you're using it as featured kind of pieces, because aggregate is. You know, when they size aggregate for a concrete mix, it's sized relative to how thick the concrete's going to be poured. Yeah. So that the each piece of aggregate is always completely enclosed by by concrete or or Portland cement, and the sand and the different sizes, the different grades of gravel are all meant to interlock so that there's everything becomes like a matrix that's really strong. What you're talking about is more like a piece of singular pieces of stone, which are going to add sort of a grain type aesthetic effect in the surface that in some cases will be going from the top of the slab to the bottom of the slab. Totally. And it's not to say that I can't do that as well as use the same kind of marble or granite, but just in smaller pieces as my aggregate right. also. I, I'm kind of thinking of trying to do both. So the, trying the, to, more, trying to... the more porous the stone and the more fractured the edges, and that's why I think like broken marble... And travertine would work really well, whereas like polished, you know, ellipse or oval kind of pieces yeah. of, of that stone would would create much more uh, breakage. But a, a kind of a jagged, fractured piece of, of soft marble or travertine is going to bond with the concrete because it'll have a lot of little fingers to grab onto. If you were exactly. trying to make your own like terrazzo or whatever, like how thick should it even be? I would imagine that stuff's pretty thin, right? Since it's like a flooring material. It's thin, yeah. It's actually similar to just any other like tile. tile. It's yeah. it, yeah. It's it's a quarter to a half of an inch thick. But I'm planning on using it just like 
kind of how I would use concrete yeah. in a DIY. You have to setting. make it a lot thicker because terrazzo be, you know, in, is heat yeah, pressed. It, they they use a lot of pressure and heat, like the same way they make quartz to kind of fuse it all together. So it's it's heat bonded and kind of the almost melted down, which gives it also that really glass like thing kind of yeah. surface quality. So that 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 last component I think would be very difficult to achieve in a DIY. You're doing sort of like a an aggregate heavy kind of all masonry stone river table kind of thing where yeah where it's like all matte finishes all masonry and everything's kind of like blended and ground but i think it'll have like a really nice kind of jupiter you know like you ever seen photos of of, of the planet jupiter that kind of like swirly like a like an ice cream that's mostly vanilla but with like a little bit of like you know caramel caramel swirls around i think you'll be yeah. able to get some nice kind of like soft matte white kind of uh, aesthetics that way yep and i and i don't think uh it'll be something where it looks exactly like terrazzo and that's not exactly what i'm trying to do terrazzo is just going to be the search word and the thing that gets right. people in the door and understands what i'm going for because like what you were saying terrazzo is a highly in like it's, it's it takes a lot of manufacturing to get it to a right. good finished tile um, and so what I'm doing is not that, but I'm just trying to do that kind of DIY. I want that look, but, mm -hmm. you know, on, on a on, in a DIY scale yeah. or A different like thing that. that has that yeah. similar look. But really, I think it's fun because, I mean, Terrazzo is made out of waste material. That's kind of the whole shtick on it is it's taking what would be just trash and turning it into a cool looking tile. And I basically want to go, like what I said, to to a granite or a countertop supply and be like, yo, let me go in, you know, wherever your scraps are and just get a little bit that you would be throwing away and then like hammer it up into s some smaller pieces and then kind of pick and choose the ones that I like. So it's kind of fun because it's, you know, renewable. Look at Mike going green. Saving the planet here with my DIY terrazzo. What a guy. You know, this seems like a video that somebody must have already done, but it seems like it would be fun to kind of go back to what you were saying about like for your testing the concrete thing where you make a bunch of little squares and then just get like just all sorts of random filler materials and put them in there and then just like pour epoxy or something to to fill it all up and make it into a tile and just call it like shitty terrazzo. You could have one that's like Oreos, another one <laughs> another one with you know rocks or whatever, some coins. Yeah. One could just be a smorgasbord of just be like junk drawer. Just everything that's in junk your drawer. junk drawer, just throw it <laughs> just in there. Just paper clips. Yeah. It's in post-its. <laughs> my junk drawer tile. Pencils that need sharpened, but there's no sharpener. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. This pen doesn't write anymore. I've tried scribbling with it 50 yeah. times before I threw it back in there. Honestly, I love that idea. Like, and it's all it. and it's all kind of suspended in resin. Yeah. That'd be the coolest thing ever. Yeah, that's, maybe That's pretty funny. And since like, oh, and maybe, yeah, instead of... So you'd be doing it to test it out. But then you could maybe make them like coaster sized or something like that. So it could be an eclectic mix of coasters. I like that. I'm doing yeah. it. This it's, is my next, or my, not my next, but an upcoming project. Look for the fake terrazzo coasters with gummy bears. Those are the keywords. Chris, how do yes. you think you're going to integrate 3D printing into, the, into your mix of stuff? You know, I'm not 100% sure yet. It was just kind of one of those opportunities of like, there, there is an opportunity to do this. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, yet, but I'll just say yes to it and get it in there and start learning it and figuring it out. But I'd like, I mean, I'm thinking obviously smaller touches that can be incorporated into big pieces. So I know it sounds like you're using it a lot for like 
infrastructure because yes. you're actually using it as like hinges and that sort of thing. Um, I'll probably start off with even more simplistic things like, you know, make, try to make my own pools or something like that. Have you thought about like, is there an application where when you're making these trapezoidal cabinet pieces, mm-hmm. could you make like a trapezoidal clamp? Oh yeah. You can definitely do something like that. I mean like you, you I, use just like some bolts and you just print it at the perfect angle with the right. nylon. It'd be plenty strong enough. And then you just use a couple bolts and nuts to kind of like screw two plastic uh, plates to hold that at that perfect uh, angle. Yeah, it's like, I mean, so there are sort of wood versions that I've made of that in the past, but you could definitely make, especially, it would be kind of fun. Because how big is like the print bed? Eight by 10. So plenty big for that. Okay, so you can make several at the same time. Yeah. It'd be kind of cool to like, yeah, there's a lot of different little jigs that I've made where like, I would like to make one that's for 15 degrees, one that's for right. 30 degrees. One, So to kind of like get the design there and then just run them all at the same time rather yeah. than... The other thing I think you should do is make some sort of miter box for your angled legs. So it's like you make a, a specific plastic miter box for turning a one by four into one of your angled leg pieces. Hmm. Like yeah. I think that using it for sort of jigs, because I also think your audience would would dig that if there was sort of like a downloadable, you know, set of of things that help you make your furniture pieces, like these little aids. I'll make a whole a whole series called Dig That Jig. The other thing I was thinking is that have you ever seen how they use? No, Mike says no. He's shaking his head off camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all can't hear me, but I'm shaking my head loud. You might hear wind whipping back and forth. That's Mike shaking his head no. Have you ever seen the ratchet strap clamps? Where oh yeah, I use those all the time. Right. So you could make the little corner pieces for those that are at all the different angles yeah, yeah, for yeah. one of your trapezoidal ones, and then that's a fun a strap. one. I like that. I like that a lot. That's cool. Mike you're, or Ben's trying to turn me into an engineer. Which I no, that's not. easy because <laughs> that's also really easy to model because you're just making a block that's extruded straight up at yeah. the right angle. Uh, and it takes advantage of the precision of a 3D printer because it'll print that a- angle perfectly. What about 3D printed terrazzo, as Mike would say? Wow. I like or as Ben would say, terrazzo. <laughs> terrazzo. Uh, you know, I think it could work. You could... Print out some random shapes in in plastic, and then use a white resin instead of white concrete. And so you've got I'm basically sure plastic terrazzo. You must end up with like a lot of little like nylon shavings, right? Oh, I like that. I like where your head's going waste. already. Take that waste and terrazzo it. Yeah, baby. Ooh, that could be your new. Does it terrazzo? Does it terrazzo? <laughs> it could be like a Wait. good mythical morning thing. Yeah. Well, you guys are saying terrazzo. I don't like. Know. There's I'm almost just copying tea. what you guys said. Oh, okay, cool. But yeah, well, I I'm think just two, sure. two R's next to each other, kind of like, you know, it'd be like a roll noise in Spanish. I like it. I, I say the majority of things incorrectly, so I was just assuming you knew something I didn't. But yeah, cool. Okay, and something you could do on this strap clamp that you can do for different angles is actually make it to where it doesn't fall off all the time. Yes. Have you all used those yeah. plastic strap clamps where the plastic pieces just fall off constantly? Yeah, you got to keep like a little pressure on them to, to keep them from falling. Yeah, exactly. So whenever you model them, make it to where they're hard. It's like a it's a task to get it off the strap. Like make it to where you can still do it, but make it to where it's like challenging enough that you've got to really work to get them off. Mm. Oh, you're talking about it actually fell off of the strap? That happens all the time. Oh, I've never Does that had not that happen, happen to you? No, what what always happens to me is oh. the, the, 
it want the clamp part of it wants to slide down the piece. Like it just wants I to know slide that too, yeah. to the bottom. So yeah, I think often what I do is like, I kind of like tighten it a little bit where I can just like, it still has like just enough flex that I can get it in there and almost like tighten it and then like pop them in. Yeah, it's funny. That strap clamp is one of those tools that is, it's an awesome idea, but I haven't used one yet that's checked all the boxes to where it doesn't have that little thing that like makes you annoyed by it yet. Yeah, you know what I actually so, use them for? Maybe the maybe you could come up with the ultimate version. Uh, probably what I use strap clamps for the most is like if I'm doing a really long base where I just don't have clamps that are long enough. Say it was like, you know, a seven foot long base and I needed to just clamp pressure on each side. And so then you don't even really need to use those little clips, but I just use it as like a super long clamp. Yeah. Yeah. And that works well. I used the strap clamp on that picture frame that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. And it was just kind of a repeat of what I just said, but it was that that moment where it was the exact tool I needed because clamping up a frame where it's just four pieces of mitered wood is always a nightmare with anything. I hate it. Any, yeah, any kind of any kind of normal bar clamp, it's the worst. But the strap clamp is perfect. But it was just those small things where like the plastic pieces kept coming off, and then as I was trying to tighten it, they were trying to slide down. It was all those little things where I was like, "This is the tool I need," but I just want it to work a little bit better. Yeah. So that's cool. What are y'all obsessed with? I took the words out of Mike's mouth. Y'all. Wow. Uh, this week, I'm obsessed with alternative movie posters. What does that mean? That like you make like your own movie poster, but for an existing movie? You nailed it. Nailed Except it. I don't really do it. It's just other people on the internet have already done, done it, it that, <laughs> that are more artistic. Yeah. And there's, if you could believe it, there's a Tumblr page where it's all that. It's all kind of like fan made movie posters. And they're really great because a lot of times they'll take something that wasn't maybe a big part of the marketing push of a movie, but became the endearing quality yeah. that people like about a movie. So they're kind of able to lean into that a little bit. So it'd be like a Pulp Fiction movie poster that's just like a Royale with cheese or something. Yeah, maybe. It would just exactly. be Samuel L. Jackson saying, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? <laughs> that's it. It's just text. <laughs> well, if it's Samuel L. Jackson, doesn't he always just call people like uh, an MFer? And he was like, motherfucker. Oh, Mike, let's bleep it. No. All right, we bleep that. Yeah. <laughs> just, just the mother part. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think I saw that. But I think the way I saw it on the internet was saying that what if movie posters were memes that came from the movie? Because Ooh. now on the internet, it's, it's memes become the sort of indelible moment from a, a movie that gets shared over and over and over again. And uh, they were sort of saying, oh, let's, let's make the, the poster the most memeable moment. Yeah, I don't know, though, because then there's something about it. It's a weird thing about the Internet where if you're asking for something to become a meme, there's almost a resistance happen. to it. It just needs to happen on its own. And so there's like a weird thing where you get like when when corporate Twitters come out or stuff like that, and they're trying to be like in on it. If they're in on it too soon, it almost ruins it for everyone else. You got to really toe the line. Hashtag yes. meme too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But that's mine. I've got a few really great posters, and I'm excited to be putting them in the frame that I built. Nice. What about you guys? I got a Netflix pick for... Yeah. Have you guys seen? It's called I Think You Should Leave. Oh, yes. Dude, that <laughs> Dude. is intense. That show is so funny. Like I Really? It is yeah, messed it's just like, up, too. It's sketch it's comedy. It's so awkward. Sketch comedy. I think there's like six episodes. They're really short. They're about like 20 minutes each or so so you can fly right through them like i pretty much watched the whole thing in one night very oh 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I have seen a couple episodes of this. It is weird as heck. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very weird sketch comedy, but very funny. Like I don't know if it's some. It's kind of in the range of like Eric Andre or some weird like very late Adult Swim. Yeah, yeah it always rem- there was um, on HBO in like the '90s or early 2000s. Uh, Mr. Show, if you guys ever watched that, that was David Cross and yep. and uh, Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk, Better Call Saul. Yep. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of that, just like very weird sketch comedy. Uh, if you're, I'll just yeah, we'll leave it at that. It's very weird, but like you'll <laughs> you can watch places. the first ten minutes, and if you like that, you're gonna like the whole thing. If you hate that, you're probably gonna not like it. But I thought it was very, 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 very funny. Hmm. So I have a couple. The first is I went to the movie premiere of a new film that's a collaboration between Tom Sachs, the sculpture artist, and Van Neistat, who's Casey Neistat's brother and also a filmmaker. And it was called How to Learn How to Surf. It was really interesting because they were talking about how learning how to surf is such a tricky thing because it's really hard to explain. There aren't, you know, it's so three-dimensional. You're dealing with like a moving liquid that has a shape but not really just a pattern and tendencies and Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that's really difficult to explain to someone how to do you just kind of have to feel your way through it yeah so it's a half hour film that's about how do you go about learning how to do something that's really hard to describe Hmm. and then something that has basically like jargon for every aspect of it like the i'm sure like each the parts of the wave are just kind of called like a slang word that like i don't know anything about surfing but yeah it's probably one of those things they had a hang 10 dude they had a crew (laughs) of different level beginner surfers so tom Sachs, the artist has about a thousand hours of surfing going into making this movie and it's a bunch of his friends that you know some have never surfed before And then some have like, you know, 20 hours of surfing. Some have like 100 hours. So it talks about their different goals for this. You know, they all go to Bali and uh, work with sort of really great surfers to to teach them. And it's interesting. It's just a very interesting. And I I really like the length of it. It was like an interesting topic told in like about 32 minutes and succinctly. It was almost like it seemed like a really great YouTube video, but in like a theater. (laughs) Right. And it was also so it was it was exciting in a few ways. One, I just enjoyed the film, but two, it made me realize that there's less of a gap between these kind of independent independent film and documentaries and what we're doing. Yeah. Now this, you know, a project like this isn't fitting a weekly schedule, but you know, your guys's production levels could create something of this quality. Uh, you know, they're still just using you know the basic DJI drones and. GoPros mixed in with some other sort of, you know, probably DSLR stuff, but it's good enough. And it's really thoughtful storytelling more than it's, you know, trying to have CGI and special effects and, you know, award-winning cinematography. So check it out. I'm not sure where it's available yet, but if you just search uh, Van Neistat or Tom Sachs and how to learn how to surf, worth checking out. It's funny. I'm trying to think of other things that are even more simplistic than surfing that kind of fit that same thing of like, it's easy to do and you can obviously feel doing it, but you can't really explain it. So I, was thinking, I think like, a lathe and woodworking would be the most similar. Where yeah, that'd you, probably you be can, the most similar. You where it's immediately like, understand the, 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 the mechanisms and operations, but getting used to the feel and yeah. stability and and all those kind and how aggressive to to dig into the, yeah, the wood like, is what 
takes time to sort of a uh, uh, hone. That's the same like angle grinding. That was kind of the thing that right. I was thinking where like you just got to feel it for 10 seconds. You'll start to feel how the how it pulls on you and everything and then you'll you'll get it. But like it would be impossible to really read a paragraph and understand. Right, like a potter's wheel I think would be another example where th- these things where they're done by feel more than oh, measure this, cut this, which is more like coding. Or to make a make a Ben food analogy, if you're trying to explain to somebody how to chew food, it'd be very hard to explain. But even how a baby would you do can it, do Chris? It. Well, how would you do it? First, you tear it off with the front teeth, and then you're going to start <laughs> moving your jaw up and down and slowly working its way towards the back teeth that are going to be more mashing the food and swallowing simultaneously. Now, to swallow, you're going to use your tongue muscle. <laughs> All right, I'll stop there. Yeah. You know, that was a little better than I expected. I like that you went into, you know, what teeth you'll be using. That's That's great. Get them incisors involved. But it's crazy because that's the, that's a real problem I imagine for people, even broadly when it comes to building things. When you tell somebody, all right, so you're going to rip this board down to this wide, or you tell them like, take the line, leave the line, all this kind of stuff. There's so many of those like small things that until you're around it enough to know what what the what the jargon means mm-hmm. that there's so much that just goes over people's heads so the right. big um, the big difference is is that cutting can happen in steps right so yeah. you can make one cross cut where you're cutting a two by four to length and then you can stop regroup read more instructions do more research in between it something like surfing you can't slow it down mm-hmm. so you have to be thinking about your feet and your upper body balance and understanding where the wave's going for the directionality of where you're steering the board all at the same time. And there's no real way to make a slow version of that. Yeah. That's almost it is you're not able to slow it down and right. take it step by step. It, it all happens in real time. Yeah. yeah which makes cool. it tricky to sort of learn. The The other thing that I, was more of a shout out is I hung out with Ben Paik from Woby Design this weekend. We did a festival for Old Pal uh, in downtown LA. Really awesome place called Rolling Greens. It's sort of a outdoor furniture and nursery. If you're in downtown LA, check it out. It's a, it's a really cool showroom. And Old Pal was there, which is uh, one of my cannabis sponsors. And we made pipes in a live demo at this kind of farmer's market festival thing. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. How was the how was the audience feedback? Like, were people walking around being like, what in the world are y'all doing? Because y'all had a little bit of everything, it looked like. Yeah, it was... No, the audience feedback was great. People were like, oh, this is awesome. I used to make ones this way when I was in shop class. And and I made them out of these, <laughs> these brass pipe fittings because I could then, like, take the pieces apart and just carry ra- three random bra- uh, brass pipe fittings in my pocket. Yeah. And, you know, if I got pulled over, no one would know that it was a pipe. So yeah. it was fun. It was very low pressure. We were just kind of like hanging out, you know, having drinks because there was like all these great like alcohol booths. So we we're drinking mezcal and hanging out all day in, in downtown LA listening to music. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I got to check out Ben's new container workshop, which is really cool. Oh, nice. It's like the opposite of how I work. It's like very compact, but all like big tools. Yeah. <laughs> but he has it all sort of dialed in exactly the way he needs it so it was really cool to see his like little tiny workshop but it's all full of like big machinery yeah he's got my old table saw in there yeah right. it's the also, old grizzly it's also just interesting to see when when what you're doing is so specific right like he so works with that one type of material recycled skateboards that 
he has a really unusual collection of tools that are all specifically geared for his process. And to see that right. all neatly packed into a tiny space is, is incredibly satisfying. So Good yeah, stuff. I just got a chance to see his uh, like workshop tour on YouTube and it looked cool on there. So uh, I bet it was awesome in real life. But yeah, it was kind of funny, like him talking about like, oh, and this is where the planner would go. But I just have a big like belt sander. What are those called? Drum. drum sander? Yeah, a drum sander. Thank you. But he just got a big drum sander. Because, no, I, like, actually, a planer... it is a belt sander because a drum oh, sander really? is like round and that's like a belt. Yeah. And so, but it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, a planer would cause a lot of chip out with skateboards. So it's just like, yeah, I don't need that. I just want the sander. Like right. I'll just do it in a bunch of different passes. But yeah, that, I guess that comes with doing a very specific task. So oh, that's awesome. And speaking of future experiments, I was talking to him about why skateboards are colored, right? Like why do right. they have these colored layers? And he was basically saying that it's often just plywood that they put in a vacuum chamber with food coloring and water to, and the vacuum is to make sure that the food coloring and water goes all the way down into all the grain. Okay. Wow. So it's just to see that it got in there. Right. It's so, like a tracer bullet. I don't know. Kind of want to dye some plywood. I do too now. I didn't realize that that's all they were using. Well, that's kind of You wouldn't really dye the plywood. You would dye like the eighth inch veneers and then make yeah. the plywood. Which even sounds funner. Yeah. So one, I think. The elimination be, challenge. Well. Just make plywood. <laughs> No, I was thinking the first thing would be we'd make a big plywood press. So we'd make a big steel bottle jack contraption. Probably wouldn't do a full four foot by eight foot sheet because that would just take up so much room and be so heavy. Yeah. But maybe we'd do some make, project panels. Maybe we make like a two foot by four foot kind of steel press because we could use that for, for experimenting with some plastic stuff too. Yeah. But dyeing some, some colored eighth inch sheets or, or some veneers. And then pressing it all into some homemade plywood could be kind of fun. Yeah. I think we could do two versions of, of the press. We could do one that's relying on bottle jacks and then maybe one that's use, that's relying on like maybe a couple of, of plates with a thick slab of concrete in between them to where like it's it's a lot of weight to lift it up, but it kind of like just dead weights. So you use bottle jacks client. to lift it up? Almost. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> Either way, you're going to need bottle jacks. It could be like a giant hourglass, <laughs> right? Where you turn to yeah. sand and the slant sand slowly pours, adding more and more weight. You know, I think that's the most practical way to do it. So I'm glad I'm glad we're really or stripping water, it down. Or, or water would be a good way. Put a water You know, tank. honestly, it, it really could, yeah. You talk about something that's easy to move, and but adds up in a hurry and can always fill it up from the hose. Yep, and then you just empty the water out. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, we appreciate you all for listening to this episode of the Modern Maker Podcast. If you haven't, we would love a five-star review on the iTunes app. It just lets the app know that we're a good show and that it should suggest us to people that like similar content. If you're not already, you should be following us on Instagram. Ben is at Benjamin Ueda, U-Y-E-D-A. Chris is at Four Eyes Furniture, F-U-R-N-I-T-U-R-E. And I am at <laughs> And I am at Modern Builds. Collectively, we're at Modern Maker Podcast. If you are interested in throwing us a topic suggestion or any questions that you want us to answer, you can DM us individually. You can hit us up in the podcast account. But Instagram is the easiest and quickest way to get a hold of us. Yeah, send we us some questions. It. We'll use them as a topic. Yeah, or, totally. And that's Modern Builds, B-U-I-L-D-Z. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we appreciate it, and we will see you next week on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye.